Hello, and welcome to Eyes and Vibes, the soccer podcast where we talk everything USMNT and sometimes more. I'm your host, Trevor Hickman, alongside my co-host, the legal American Eagle, Mr. Blake Woody. Bro, Trevor, man, that caught me <laughs> off guard. Oh, I love that. The legal... I might need to change my tweet. I mean, I don't. I know I don't really tweet that much, but like, what a, what a great name, man! I appreciate hey. that. Hey, man. I'm a, I'm up to think of something for you and your finance, man. Like, <laughs> I'm to try to get back the next episode or something. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But uh, but no. How, how are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing good, Trevor. I'm doing good, my man. You know, I think last time we did this, it's it's funny how quickly things can change as, as i'm sure we'll talk about today in the sports world i remember last time uh for all you uh fellow hockey fans out there listening to this um the canes i think were uh up 3-1 against new jersey and the playoffs uh, and only need one more win to make the eastern conference finals and mm-hmm. you know here they are just a few weeks later and now they're down 3-0 facing elimination tonight so <laughs> Uh, you know, fingers crossed and hoping for a little bit better than that, Trevor. But um, other than that, uh, do, doing pretty good, my man. How, how about you? For sure. Yeah, no, doing, doing well myself. Um, I, I also was on the wrong end of, of a tough loss uh, with Charlotte FC this past weekend. Um, we gave away like a 91st, 92nd minute mm-hmm. penalty. And that was, that one was tough. I got to say, but uh, that was just a brutal night for Carolina sports. <laughs> Both Charlotte FC and the Canes, same night, heartbreaking losses. But I would argue that most of the nights are brutal nights <laughs> for Charlotte sports fans. Blake, you're not wrong. My man. <laughs> but <laughs> Hey, Hey, we, uh, we got two wins in the U. 20 world cup things are looking up for our for our national team at least so oh yeah yeah we're we seem to be headed in the in the right direction with usmnt mm. so i think that's a good way to segue into it um because when we think of our biggest win recently it's gotta be fuller and balogun mm-hmm. i mean like that 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 one caught me off guard because i had seen some reports that had said okay england was going to call him into their senior squad now i don't know mm-hmm. if they were actually going to do that but there were reports out there that they were going to. And when I saw that report, I went, oh, it's over. He's going to pick them then. He's going to get, you know, three minutes on a cow pasture versus Bosnia. Mm-hmm. And then that will be his, you know, national team career. So I was uh, pretty caught off guard when he when he committed. And, you know, one of the critics or or I would use the word haters uh, arguments on the Balogun thing is – He's not going to care about playing for the U.S., but from all of the videos and and other such things that I've seen with him kind of emphasizing picking the U.S., his excitement with picking the U.S., his parents' excitement with him picking Mm -hmm. the U.S., I I don't think we're talking about a mercenary here. You know, I'm I'm just not really getting that sense. What what do you you think about that whole thing? Do you think that he's going to – you know, he may not have, quote unquote, been born and lived here for a super long period of time. I mean, he was born here, but he didn't live here for a super long period of time. But do you think that someone that is sort of geographically detached can become attached to their national team? I definitely think so, Trevor. Like, um, 
I, and I think a big thing too, Trevor, that's going to be, you know, big to look out for with this is I feel like just the whole pool and especially sort of our core group of guys have such a togetherness. And, you know, I have to imagine that that partially played into a uh, Balogun's decision to commit here in the first place. Cause I'm sure, you know, he saw that well, through TV talking with teammates, talking with maybe the guys themselves. So I think, you know, once he really gets immersed into sort of that core group of guys we have, because, you know, he's also same age profile um, coming up sort of in a similar way um, up and over in Europe. So, yeah, I mean, what? I mean, he was at Arsenal with Musa back in the academy for a little bit, right? So, yeah, he has that connection there. And I think once he really gets involved with that, uh, that's even going to make him more passionate, at least, you know, that's the hope. But even besides that, man, like, I agree with you. Everything that I've seen from him and heard from him, it really does sound like he's excited about this and he's passionate to do this, which is is great for us. And um, yeah, I've got really high hopes considering that. And uh, you know, I'll say one thing too, Trevor. Um, you know, I know, I know he didn't grow up there, but people from New York, man, and they're proud. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he's just born there, you know, watching all those, those Knicks videos of the Knicks fans, <laughs> and uh, they're uh, they're a passionate bunch. And you know, I think. Maybe he's got some of that in him, you know? And uh, yeah, looking at his stuff, it sort of like feels like even though he didn't grow up there, he sort of does seem to have a little bit of that New York connection. So yeah, man, I'm excited, Trevor. I think this really, this is our biggest get of all the dual nationals. I really do. And that's that's no disrespect to Jedi, to Musa, to Dest, but we talk about club performance on here a lot, Trevor. And you throw Fuller in into this group. And this cool. past season, he's the top performer, I think, of any of our guys in the pool this past season. Easily. Like, it's exactly. Not even it's close. not even close. I, exactly. I would say probably second for me might be Tim Ream. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a good one. You know, but, Pepe had good loan spell, but it's yeah, but, what Balogun's been doing is insane. But the thing is that there's there's kind of stars and asterisks by all of the others because you have you have Tim Ream and you go, well, yeah, I mean, he killed it. But he's also he can't play for another 10 or 15 years, which is what Balogun could yep. potentially offer. Uh, and then you look at, um, you know, so, so someone else like, you know, if you think about our performers, someone like Pepe, you know, yes, he was very good this season. But he was very good in an admittedly easier league mm-hmm. than than you know. And I'm not saying that the French league is the highest of standards, mm-hmm. but it, you know you play some tough teams there. The top and five when, league, man. And when you go and bag versus PSG in the ninety like sixth minute, you you've got talent. You know when when you when you're able to to round the keeper, a, a world class keeper at that, in uh, Donnarumma. You can tell that that's a composed player, and that's what Balogun is. You know, he gets his chances, but he's composed with them. So for me, I absolutely think he is the kind of biggest and best prospect of anyone. And it, he just so happens to commit at the end of the season, and it really puts a, a high note on an otherwise somewhat unfortunate season. I would I would mm-hmm. argue we had a lot of guys that were in maybe not such great positions or situations, but one guy that was is Balogun and he has no shortage of European interest from what I understand. Um, Mm -hmm. There there are a number of clubs that are looking into him. 
Uh, Leipzig is not going to be able to afford him, but they are looking at him. Um, Milan is an interesting one, and I've mm-hmm. seen that 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 seems like a substantive link. Um, I, I believe he's had, from my understanding, you know, his agent has had communication with Milan. So we'll see if he goes to AC Milan. But for me, I would love a move like that for him. Um, you know, we're not into the transfer portion of our podcast yet, but we'll kind of give a teaser in that I'm going to ask you, where do you think he would fit best or where, where would you like to see him go this summer? Yeah, man. I mean, like you said, there's going to be no shortage of options. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like the one you mentioned. I've heard a little bit about that too, Trevor, and that's AC Milan. I think that really sounds like a great fit. You know, a little bit of an aging strike force there. Um, mm-hmm. I like sort of the opportunity for him to go in, learn from Olivier Giroud, you know, who's been there, done that, had a lot of success sort of all over Europe, really, at this point, um, with his success in England and then Italy. Um, so I, I really like that fit for him a lot, man. Um, again, I think I mentioned this on another episode. I, I still, I, it, it's not, it definitely wouldn't be the, like the best move for him will be to make a move and go somewhere where he's, you know, the unequivocal guy at the top. Mm -hmm. But I will say a little bit of a hot take. I don't think if Arsenal will be willing to keep him, but which it doesn't really seem like it's going to be the case. I don't think it'd be the worst thing to be there. Um, cause I think interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that would probably necessitate in Kedia moving yeah. elsewhere. Um, so, you know, the, the club would have to make that decision, but if they decided to do that and decided to, you know, sort of offload in Kedia instead, I think coming into that, um, you know, with Gabriel Jesus, you know, hopefully he stays healthy, but he has had some injury concerns as we've talked about a few other Arsenal guys in the past. Um, you know, especially this year. So I don't think it would be necessarily the worst thing. Again, I'm not advocating for that because I think personally it's going to be best to go somewhere like Milan where he's going to get a lot of playing time. But either way, man, he's going to have a lot of good options uh, this offseason or uh, this window, excuse me, uh, too much hockey talk and other sports <laughs> right there, the off season, But um there's really no off season in in football, is there, Trevor? There truly is no off season because it just becomes more. You play for country versus club. exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, you might you might get three weeks to a month off as yep. as a footballer and or a soccer player, and then that that's about it. So, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> but, sir. But yeah, speaking on that on that off season or um, you know, quote unquote off season mm-hmm. idea, you know. Coming up is a very big game versus Mexico in the Nations League in the mm-hmm. semifinals. That is Balogun's first opportunity to play. So I ask you, Blake, and you viewers or, or listeners um, th- that are kind of wondering alongside, do you think that Balogun starts that game? Because he's got, he certainly has the talents. Don't get me wrong there, but he he's had no experience with our national team yet, and that is our biggest rival. If you're the coach in that situation, Blake, do you start arguably our best player, but a guy that has absolutely no understanding of Concacaf, bro? Um, 
I, I might get grilled for this, but he's the first name on my team sheet, man. <laughs> I'm just, and part of the reason I say that, Trevor, well, I think, you know, it's obviously meritorious as we've been talking about all those points. I think, you know, there's a lot of merit behind making that decision to start him in that game. But just the hype aspect, man, um, I, I think it'd be huge for the atmosphere in that stadium among U.S. fans to have Balogun making his debut in that game against Mexico in the Nations League semifinals, a game that matters. This isn't El Cashico. This is the Nations League semifinals <laughs> playing for the right to go play for a trophy. Um, you know, continue this streak we have against Mexico. I mean, really, man, it's it sounds like a movie, man. You know, with all the hype that's sort of been building around Fullerin and his decision, and now him making it, you know, after his career year and having the opportunity to debut in a game like this. Um, and you know, I mean, even going back to the last summer in Denver, you know, we've I wouldn't call it a problem because I think it's you know sort of meant to be this way. Um where the stadium, you know, there are a lot of both Mexico and U.S. fans in it. Yeah. Um. So, but I mean, that's something to consider, you know. um. There's probably going to, I mean, not probably, there definitely will be a lot of Mexico fans there, and they will be very loud and passionate for their team. And Oh, yeah. Not that, the you know, the U.S. fans, of course, will be passionate and loud and loud as well if Balogun isn't on the field. But if he is, man, it's, mm, again, it's going to be like a movie. It's going to be crazy. And, um, yeah, so... I, you know, leave it up to to Anthony Hudson if he is still still the guy, which I think there's probably like a 99% chance that he still will be at that point. Well, there, there's been so there's been some more insight on that that came out today. Doug McIntyre, who's a, a big reporter for um, U.S. soccer, uh, has stated that Jesse or not Jesse Marsh. Well, uh, actually, yes, Jesse Marsh is, quote unquote, not a done deal, not a sure thing. Uh, and that we're not going to hire our actual coach until um, August when the contract for Anthony Hudson is up. And I, I don't look, look, we can, we can talk about that on, on uh, at a different point or, or we can slide into that on this pod, but, but looking at, that aspect of things, I think that tells you that Anthony Hudson is going to be our coach for Nations League and probably Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, man, because I'd heard a little bit about, you know, Marsh potentially being hired and mm-hmm. then, you know, Hudson continuing for the next few months while I don't really know what Jesse would be doing during that point. But <laughs> that's interesting, man. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I. You know, Trevor, I sort of like that that uh, that segue into that. I was going to ask you um, your thoughts really quick on starting Balogun as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, and then I also want to hear your thoughts on the whole whole Jesse Marsh situation situation as well. As you know, things right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So on the Balogun front, I'll say I get what you're saying, but for me, I I have him as a super sub off the bench. 60 minutes hits, he comes in and and runs against a tired Mexico defense. Mm -hmm. What you didn't touch on is the fact that his replacement or or the guy that would be starting instead of him, he also has some ties to Mexico and he may have something to prove to people. Mm -hmm. And and that is Ricardo Pepe. And Ricardo Pepe, for everyone that remembers that whole recruitment saga as well, 
is a highly touted striker that could have played for Mexico and very well might have, but he chose independently the U.S. and was rewarded in that decision by not even making our World Cup squad. (laughs) So he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He is going to be mad. And what better way and what better place to prove it to the fans, to prove it to the coaches, to prove it to yourself than against your rival and the team you grew up supporting and watching. And you said, no, I'm going to take this other step. I'm going to go down this other path. But this is why I chose to do it. And if you get Pepe those minutes and he scores a goal, that is just going to continue to reinforce and drive him forward. So for me, I look at Pepe as not really even much of a downgrade on Balogun for game script. He is going to be just as animated, just as in it. And, you know, let's not pretend that Balogun to to Pepe is like Balogun to Jordan Morris or Jesus Ferreira. It's it's not that level of drop-off. If you start Pepe, he is a player that has excelled in Europe. I, I mean, when you think of our top five players of the you know European season, he's absolutely in there as probably two or three. So he has had a really good season as well. And suddenly that nine issue that we've had pretty much the entire season, Blake, uh, is it's not looking so bad anymore. And, mm-hmm. and that's a position that we really needed that boost. So I'm starting Pepe. I'm playing him for 60 minutes. Hopefully he gets a goal in that time. If he doesn't, well, then we bring in the newly minted American Fuller and Balogun to run at the tired Mexico defense and score a goal. That is my answer on that. Um, but I don't know what Hudson's going to do. He He's the wild card. So <laughs> he is, man. He is. That's a, that's a great answer. And yeah, no disrespect to Pepe. I um, I'm still super hyped to see what he does in the future, too. Uh, as you stated, he also had a great season, has tons of percent potential. But what can I say, Trevor? I'm, I'm a hype man, man. I'm all, I'm all <laughs> on the hype train right now. I'm impatient. I, I want to see Balogun. <laughs> Give me Balogun on the field. Patience, patience, man. <laughs> it's coming. But it's coming. We, we've waited three or four years worth of recruitment time you know we we can wait another couple of weeks that's yeah that's good that's fair fair Uh, but but yeah so so let's let's go into the coaching search a little bit Mm -hmm. though um if it is true that we are pushing things off to august i really strongly dislike that decision for a variety of reasons but one being if you think about european seasons and you think about you know, let's let's use our word of the podcast here, off season. When you think about the quote unquote mini off season, mm-hmm. that is the time where there are a bunch of coaches looking for work. Mm-hmm. That off season is not August. That off season is like early July, late June, and that's where the national teams kind of take over for the players, but for the coaches, you know that that's where they say, hey. Thanks for being our coach. That's the end of your contract. And suddenly you don't have work. 
if I'm someone looking for a high quality applicant, I'm going to be going down to the job fair when people are looking for jobs. I'm not going to go there when they're all filled up again. And I go there and I go, well, you know, I tried. I looked around a little bit, but no one raised their hand and said, oh, take me, take me. That was a super high level coach. And the reason why is because they're all signed. You know, know, Mm -hmm. no one's going to do that. So I don't understand why we're pushing things off to August, if we truly are, and and Jesse Marsh is not our coach, um, which, you know, eh, he could be, and they could just be kind of putting it, you know, everything under the rug right now, hoping mm-hmm. people don't look into it too much. Um, but but that was always going to be the preordained pick. But let's say they're not. You limit your applicants so much by pushing things off to where clubs feel obligated to have signed their next manager. So we're going to lose like 50 to 75% of the available coaches we could potentially be looking at. And to me, that decision does not offset having to pay, you know, Hudson and another manager for a month or two crossover. You know, I, 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 I'm sure Anthony Hudson's making a good living from USMNT for just this temporary period, but you know he he's probably not making five or ten million a month, so mm-hmm. I, I don't see why why we have to push this off to fulfill his contract when we could just say, "Great, thank you very much. You're going to be on retainer, and we have our next head coach." You know that that's what I would do. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Do, do you see any positives to pushing things off? I mean, my only positives, bro, are that they're supposedly doing their due diligence. Like you said, you know, we'll see if they actually are, or if they're sort of just, they've got Jesse and they're just, they want to make it look like they're doing their due diligence, but yeah, they're doing it with uh, a blindfold on. I say exactly. But, um, you know, and, and I want them to take their time. Cause I mean, this is obviously a massive decision and we all want them to get, get it right. You know, you got the new sporting director coming in. Um, you want him to get acquainted with things. And to, you know, do the process right. And, um, yeah, I'm going to do another, um, another American sport reference. I'm sorry, Trevor, but, (laughs) um, another Carolina sports reference, but, um, with the Panthers, you know, for those who don't follow the NFL, um, they hired their head coach this year and their coaching staff, and they took a lot of time to do it. And they sort of interviewed a lot of different people, traveled around to a lot of different places. And, you know, I'm never going to be opposed to, that and um doing a process like that and they did you know, the panthers did the same thing for looking for a quarterback and again no it's it's slightly different but um having a process having a plan never a bad thing but i still agree with you trevor because it's just so long like what you know greg pretty much fell out i think you know i guess you never truly we never truly knew Slash no, who knows what the Federation's gonna do, but it, yeah. it's been pretty pretty likely and pretty obvious that Greg um is not gonna come back since January and all that stuff came out. And you know, when you get to August, that will have been seven months. Um, there's you know, there's one thing in having a process and doing your due diligence, but like that's just such a long time, man. Like, I don't really think you need that long to do it. And no. like you said, if you take that long to do it, 
you risk losing out on some of the top guys. He might be gone in the meantime. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a balance in the middle. There's somewhere in the middle that they need to, you know, do their whole due diligence, do their process. But at the same time, man, they just got to make a decision at some point. So, yeah, yeah exactly. You, at some point, you, you got to dive in. You could put your toe in the water a few times, but that you know, you're not going to swim if you do it that way. Yep. So, yep. Uh, yeah, but but let's let's move on a little bit because you know we have covered USMNT, we've covered Belgium, we've covered the coaching. What we've not covered is the other event that's going on right now, and that is the U20 World Cup where mm-hmm. the US is 2 and 0 and uh yeah i mean we we played well we, i, I want to say we played well our first game um you know the scoreline didn't really reflect it until that uh Giogolazzo, but Giogolazzo, um, i like yeah. that I like that too but other than that you know the, the game versus fiji um we didn't really create all too much for most of that game we had a ton of quote unquote chances, but there was no end product there. Um, but you know, two two wins is two wins. So I, I don't think it's been a bad World Cup so far. Um, but I think that there are definitely areas for improvement. So my takeaways so far are basically that and then the fact that um you know there's some guys that are really putting themselves out there as truly top performers in this competition for the u.s um but before i get into those uh, i kind of want to hear your takeaways from uh from the first game and then you know how, how you felt uh our under 20 team has done so far and uh you know what anything you can pick out about um about the team in general yeah man i mean like you said trevor it, it's been good two wins is two wins is two wins <laughs> like <laughs> um we'll take those six points any day of the week um, yeah, I especially like that first game. Like you said, I, I think the boys played well. Um, the scoreline maybe didn't reflect it, especially until until that uh, that final Golazo, which, as you said, man, perfect description. That was a freaking Golazo, wasn't it, from Jonathan Gomez? Oh, speaking um, of that, sorry, but the, yeah. the the video that I posted about his uh, um, him being one of the most important dual nationals for us. His dad just liked nice, <laughs> good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, hopefully, that's a good sign for him uh, committing long term, man. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. You know, I I thought he was solid in that game up until that as well. Um, I thought some other guys had some pretty good showings as well. Um, I I think in that first game, man, the lack of a true nine um showed for a while. I think once they brought on yappy i think that helped open things up a little bit um Mm -hmm. having a little bit more of a natural um you know forward in there but um yeah i I think it's been largely positive overall man and um i I was just telling trevor before this guys i don't know about y'all but i uh my like packages don't include fs2 and universo (laughs) so i'm gonna have to freaking figure that out man nah, you, you gotta go to one of those Mundo. really I still, sketchy i know sites that's probably what i know yeah yep. yep. <laughs> like sorry computer like this is my podcast computer guys so i don't know like we'll see if it lasts through this u20 world cup or rough man we're just we're out, just gonna be doing know? a podcast and in the background it's gonna be like you know 
there are single women near you ready to meet. <laughs> <laughs> I have to drive down to you, Trevor, and do it in the background yeah. <laughs> in your apartment every time we do this. Some cheers and be, be cooked. Exactly. Yeah, but oh man yeah so so okay yeah th- those are some good takeaways for sure um you know top top performance wise i'll start on that and, and i'll mm-hmm. say for me one of the guys that has really stood out this competition is brandon craig uh mm-hmm. center back for philadelphia union or technically union too um you know he hasn't gotten very many senior team minutes but i suspect that changes or he'll move to europe because if you look at him so far in this competition, I, I put it on Twitter, but I see a lot of John Brooks in his game and that he is a long passer. He is comfortable attacking and he is an understanding of the field. And as a center back, that is a, a skill because you see what a long pass from a center back can do in terms of unlocking a defense because we see it all the time with stuff like um, like. Think about the Morocco game, uh, not this, or sorry, last summer uh, before the World Cup um, when the U.S. played Morocco in a friendly where we won 3-0. And everyone thinks about the Pulisic goal, um, or sorry, the Pulisic assist to Aronson uh, where he had that incredible touch, took it down, and then, you know, squared it to Aronson, and he put it Mm -hmm. in. What people don't think about is the fact that Walker Zimmerman played a wonderful pass there. And, you know, for all of Zimmerman's slights, long passes, you've seen their impact in high level competition or higher level competition um, and and what they can do. So I look at Craig and I say, wow, he's got a skill set that is marketable and that is useful. And to me, you know, that, that that's why he is my top performer. More so than Jogo. And I, I know that's surprising because, yeah, he doesn't have a goal um, or an assist. But, you know, he has really stood out to me. Um, and then I guess my second guy, well, I mean, not I guess, you know, my second guy would absolutely be uh, Jonathan Gomez. You know, he, he obviously the, the goal was incredible. But I, I think he's had a, a strong U-20 World Cup so far. Um, you can see when he crosses, he's got a vision that, some other left backs just simply don't um, or, or right backs because he's played both positions now and that echoes his versatility. So for me, yeah, I mean, Jogo has got to be the guy, um, but, but he, he's not my, my top performer. That, that's got to go to Brandon Craig. So I'm, uh, I'm going, I'm going all defense for my, for my picks. Um, I may have taken some of the good ones, but, but who else would you, would you say has, uh, has performed so far? Yeah, bro, I got to piggyback on you there, Trevor, man. I'm going to give give some love to the back line as well, man, because, I mean, what, two clean sheets in two games, man. You can't ask for more than that. Yep. Um, I'll give some um some love to Gaga Slonina. Um, oh, yeah. It hasn't done, had to do a ton, but, again, two clean sheets in two games. Um, I'm, you know, really excited to see what he does at Chelsea, and hopefully he gets a chance to uh, make an impact on the first team there soon, and, of course, also excited to see what he does the rest of this tournament. Um, I liked some of what I saw from Joshua Winder, too, in yeah. the, uh, that first game. Um, we've talked about him before on here, making that move to Benfica. Um, so, but I thought he looked solid as well and uh, played really good defense back there. And um, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. I don't know if he's 
as much of a standout performer. But um, in that first game, at least, I liked some of the the attacking prowess that uh, Darren Yappy brought on when he came on to the pitch. And again, I just think it sort of helped open the game up a little bit. And, you know, eventually we did get that goal. So, yeah, yeah, to- totally agree. I-, I think that, you know, that first game showed what a nine can do to help. Um, now, he kind of was sort of invisible versus Fiji, but yeah, um, th- they were playing so deep that it was tough for any striker to the really striker kind of get, get, involved. get any involvement whatsoever. It just turned into kind of a crossing melee. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, regardless, they got the win there, and, and that really is all that matters. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you that uh, there are some European teams looking at players in the tournament, U.S. players. Um, mm-hmm. And one of those teams is uh, PSV. Mm-hmm. So I've heard from an inside source that PSV has uh, been scouting uh, Owen Wolf. Mm-hmm. Which is a surprising one. I, I you know, I, I don't think he's a bad player by any means, and and he actually has impressed with Austin. Um, but when you think of, okay, European clubs are going to be here looking at players. Um, he was not the first one to jump out at me as it will probably be him. I, I would have seen it being one of our younger guys that has been dominating, uh, um, either, uh, Securus or um, Obed Vargas. I was thinking it was for Obed Vargas, but yeah. it appears it appears Owen Wolf is getting some European interest. Um, so I think that's something to look look out for going forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so so outside of, of that, uh, that actually segues kind of into our our one viewer question for today, and that is um, from Toxic Yet Reasonable Tom, who asks: uh, Are there any under twenty? U.S. players that you think will be on the USMNT 2026 roster? And I'll quickly give my answer first, and, and that is um, I see Josh Josh Winder uh, and uh, I and Gaga Slonina as two of the guys that, that'll be on there. Um, I think Kevin Perez is another, mm-hmm. and I think um, potentially Caleb Wiley. We'll see. But those those would be my four. Um, and Slonini, it wouldn't be as a starter; it would be as a backup. But I think he will make the World Cup as a backup. So those those would be my four. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with those, man. Yo, shout out Tom, by the way. I feel like Tom always has a question. So yeah. we, we appreciate it, Tom. <laughs> got some Seriously. good ones. Got Thank you. Ones. He's got some really good ones. Um, yeah, Trevor. Um, when I saw this question earlier, I think Gaga Slonina is as close to a lock, really, for me as any of them. Um, I really just think with his career trajectory and how it's looking, the opportunities mm. that he should have. And, you know, he sort of seems to be the next big guy in the American goal. The other keepers, you know, they'll still be, you know, keeper age wise. They'll definitely be in the mix, but they'll be getting a little bit older. Um, so like you said, I think it's a perfect opportunity to at least, you know, get that experience for him. Yeah. Um, so I think Selena will definitely be on there beyond that. Um, I think my next two guys, I agree with Caleb Wiley. And I think a lot of that is just the left back depth behind Anthony. Um, you know, we'll see what they want to do about Tim Weah, mm. um, if they want to play him back there, but, um, beyond Anthony, I don't really know how it's looking. So I think, uh, Wiley might have a chance if, if Jogo commits and if he keeps on playing like this, I think he might have a chance. Yeah. Um, so those three were the ones that, that sort of popped in my head seeing that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the other interesting things is that um, 
we didn't really mention any attackers. We, you know, we, we kind of all went on defense for this. Hey, two um, shutouts, man, you know, gotta yeah, give the guys their props. Like, but, but I think that tells you that we have a pretty strong attack force at this point and, uh, something yeah, to look yeah. forward yep. to come 2026, especially because we have the Balogun commitment now. Um, without that, you know, there might be opportunity for some other players to sneak in, but, Assuming he doesn't, you know, get injured or something of that nature happens, um, I think that he, you know, he'll take one of those spots and make it tougher for for a youngster. And that's just how it goes when you get to becoming a better national team. So I, I see it all as a positive. Um, well, that'll about do it for our episode today. Uh, we're going a little bit shorter this time. Figured we'd cover, you know, some main topics because Lord knows this is going to be a long summer and we will have a lot to cover so for the time being i think you know we centered in on on the right stuff here and um and as always i, I do appreciate you you coming on and, and talking usmnt with myself blake of course oh man thanks for having me bro had a great time as always and uh thanks to always again thanks always to everyone listening as well appreciate y'all yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate it. And of course, the questions uh, being asked as well, because, you know, it gives us something else to go off of. And we're happy to answer pretty much any question. So feel free and submit one in the future. Uh, just one little teaser. Uh, next week, I believe uh, we're going to have a English podcast on to talk about their perceptions on the USMNT. So that should be interesting and fun. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, with that being said, thanks everyone for listening. And as always, keep vibing. <laughs>